Hey, what's up, everybody? Greatest show on dirt coming to you live from the Sweet Bee Studios. I am your host, Quentin. Listen, I started uh, reading about the news lately. You know, I started reading the news. I um, I know I'm a little late to, um, you know, finally catch on to that sort of thing, but I wanted to see, you know, what all the fuss was about because, you know, the only websites I go to, like when I first wake up, it's like ESPN.com, MLB.com, and then like, I will go to USA Today. But then I go to USA Today com slash sports, and that's where I go. So I actually never go to USA Today's homepage. So I have no idea what's going on in the world around me. And <laughs> I don't know if, if I should be nervous about that, but they do say ignorance is bliss. And, you know, that might not be a, a bad thing for me. You know, like, I don't know how bad pollution is these days. It doesn't really scare me. I don't know much about the fresh water supply. You know, I do actually a big part of my news is um, from conspiracy theories, you know, so I like to definitely like I could tell you more about UFO sightings than I could about what's going on in politics right now. Like I know more about little green men than I do the president of the United States. And hey, you know, <laughs> so I've taken up the news. Here we are. So I like I'm digging through news, man, and I try to I don't know a lot of like what news sites are. So I just sort of like Google the word news and then stuff comes up. So one of the things that came up for me the other day was from ABC seven eyewitness news, right? So that's for like the Chicago area. And I honestly only stumbled upon this from like a Chicago Cubs sports story. So it wasn't like I came to this on purpose, to be honest with you. Because, like I said, you know, it's pretty much all I go to is sports websites. If there's not a ball involved, like, I don't give a shit, right? Like, if the president of the United States had, like, a ball, like, if Congress and, like, the Senate and the Judiciary Committee, I, I don't know what that word means, but I think I've heard it before. If those people somehow could, like, play with a ball <laughs> and have some sort of competition, like, I would be in and I would watch every day, but... Like, there, there's not really a ball, and they don't keep score. I wish they would, you know? I wish there would be a physical fight every now and then, sort of like a hockey game. I would just love to see, like, you know, the vice president punch out, like, Donald Trump or something like that. Like, I just want to see somebody fight, and somebody just get a damn ball for the White House or something. Like, I think you would get a lot more fans into politics if you could blend in some sort of competition. But the story that I found is, is an amazing story. Amazing story. It's like... A little bit of MacGyver and then like a little bit of alcoholism. So the, the title of the story, here's the headline. The headline is two-year-old found riding on a case of beer instead of a booster seat. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with this. I'm trying to think of before even getting past the headline, like let's let's reverse engineer this. And you know, if you've got your two-year-old riding on a case of beer instead of a booster seat, what actually led you to this moment of like profound clarity of wanting to protect your child but at the same time like you want to get hammered drunk okay so this is one person that bought this you can tell from the picture it's a 24 pack of Bud Light that they've got their two-year-old sitting on and I mean I just don't know what to say like I guess I maybe want to say like that's great that you are interested in the safety of your child but you know, I mean, ugh. I mean, beer on a booster seat, like, I, like when I grew up, like I'm 35, right? So there weren't such thing as booster seats when I was a kid, and I think maybe you had like a child seat, 
but you only had to ride in that thing when you were like a little baby. So I was like four years old, like body slamming my sister in the back seat of my mom's Pontiac Grand Prix. You know, it's a four door car and you could really get down. Like we would just play in the back seat. It was really NBD. But now you have to like have your kid in a booster seat. If the kid weighs like less than 40 pounds, like I probably weighed less than 40 pounds in fifth grade because I was a skinny kid. Like, so like I don't want to ride in a booster seat, right? And maybe, maybe the two-year-old didn't want to ride in the booster seat either, but maybe we don't let the two-year-old make this decision. You know, probably not the best thing right here, but I, I guess this is probably, you know, an interesting fact on what happens when, um, you know, you're too young to have a baby for one, and then two you know, being a parent might just drive one to alcoholism. You know, maybe this person needs to go to like Alcoholics Anonymous, I would say for sure. But that that's an interesting story, you know, an interesting take on it. Um, I just wonder like when he got, a, what interesting thing about this is like, obviously he got arrested and he was issued a citation for not securing a child properly in the car. Like no shit for one. But number two, I, I just wonder if he got to keep the case of beer or was the cop like, we're just going to take the case of beer? Like, the cop probably didn't have any reason to steal the case of beer. And if you're the police officer and you pulled them over and you didn't arrest them, obviously you let the parent drive off with their two-year-old without a booster seat. So what what did the cop say to the parent? Like, okay, have a nice night, go straight home. And yeah, I know it's not ideal, but go ahead and leave your kid on top of the 24-pack of Bud Light because truth be told, he's safer sitting on a case of beer than he is just roaming around in the back seat. So I assume that probably had to happen too because truth be told, the case of beer is better than nothing. <laughs> so if the cops took the case of beer, they would be doing a disservice to the child. So that that's news number one, right? So news number two, this one's really interesting, man. Whoa, hold on. I got an advertisement in the background. You son of a bitch. I'm going to have to cut that out. Gosh dang it. Uh, <laughs> so the title of this article, and this is real life, right? So I saw it on Facebook, so it has to be true. Um, this is the title of the article. More than 1 million people plan to raid Area 51 in Nevada in a quest to seek aliens. So this Facebook page Right, more than 1 million Facebook users have pledged their allegiance to this Facebook page and they're going to raid Area 51 on September 20th. They've scheduled the date and they've given the government notice. You know what I mean? Like if, if you're going to raid any sort of government, if you're going to raid anything, you don't make an announcement about it. And they've made an announcement on Facebook, these million people that say September 20th, we're on our quest to see aliens, and we are going to storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. Okay, hold on. Hold the, hold the freak on for one second. You want to raid Area 51, and you don't think that they can stop all of us? Bro, Area 51's in the desert, which is sort of like the same area where they test like nuclear bombs and stuff like that. So I beg to differ. I'm almost certain... If you all raid Area 51, as a matter of fact, they can stop every one of your asses if they want to. Every single one. So that doesn't really hold a lot of water, right? But hold on, hold on. This thing gets even better, okay? So on the Facebook page, right, this broad named Jen, she tweets this tweet, right? And here's what she says. She goes, this event is planned for September 20th, okay? 
while I love this planning time, okay, that's good, Jen. You, your calendar's free on September 20th. You do indeed have time to raid for aliens. That's a plus, okay? I hope The Bachelor's not on that night, kid. Um, so after she tells the group, dude, I love the time. We're good, right? I got nothing to do that night. Let's go find aliens. She, she proceeds to say that this gives the government a lot of time to move the aliens out of Area 51. <laughs> so someone on the inside is like, there's there's like a, a secretary or like the assistant to like the top dog at Area 51 is like, yo, what are we going to do with these aliens, man? Holy shit. Like, I can take like three of them to my house, you know, and throw them in the basement, but my dogs are going to sniff them out and bark all night. And that's really going to make me mad. <laughs> oh, dude, like, okay. And then also to finish her comment on Facebook, this this lady named Jen, she goes, if we want to get our extraterrestrial pals into safe and loving arms, this needs to happen ASAP. Okay, what? Hold on, hold on. That was not a misspeak. What this group wants to do is they want to get in there and save the aliens they want to put the aliens in their safe and loving arms and take them home. Listen, man, this isn't a damn turtle you found at the side of the lake, okay? This is an alien. Taking an alien home, if you were to find an alien, something tells me that's sort of like finding a wild tiger and just being like, yo, the kids would love this shit. <laughs> like, dude, the alien might be a bad idea because... I get to thinking, if you take the alien back home, you start to give it a few privileges, and before you know it, it's going to kind of take your niceness for a weakness, and on day 32, you're going to be in the back bedroom with a probe up your butt, <laughs> and this isn't going to be a good thing. You just can't take an alien home. That's an asinine comment, man. I mean, you, you're going to pay for it, dude. The alien, you know, the, the alien's going to eat your face like a lion. These are bad times right now. But that's what's going on in the news. And truth be told, yo, I cannot get enough of the news right now. I hope they storm Area 51. I, Dude, I just got to see what happens with it. This is going to be amazing. Okay, let's get to some baseball stuff right about now. Okay, so since we just kind of had the All-Star break just a little bit ago, there were some things that happened in baseball that weren't like live game baseball related, right? And one of the things I came across is there were a couple writers that wrote over the All-Star break that uh, Major League Baseball, in, in, the, in the game of Major League Baseball, that home runs are ruining the game and make it, a bo and make it boring, right? And a lot of this talk is happening because of the juice ball and that sort of started the week of the all-star break when justin verlander was basically like listen man these balls are a freaking joke and it's super obvious right and justin verlander he's given up 26 home runs on the year and that's more than anybody in all of baseball so like he's extra pissed off about it because like he's getting um you know he's getting the brunt of this because and and a lot of pitchers 
you know, I don't think that every pitcher is being affected by the way the ball is, but a lot of pitchers are. And I think, you know, a lot of pitchers and managers, coaches and everything have made comments in the past about how hard the ball is, how slick the ball is. Like I remember in the 2017 World Series, that was when the Astros beat the Los Angeles Dodgers. And that was like in the series where you Darvish pitched really bad. And before one of the games, and I remember Justin Verlander made these comments, and Justin Verlander was pitching fine, right? So I don't really believe that Justin Verlander, he's not griping about the ball because he's given up a lot of home runs. You know, Verlander's having a good year. His last four starts have been, you know, pretty shaky, like a fault line. But like, you know, during the World Series, he was on fire in that whole back half of 2017 when he was an Astro, right? It was primo, but during the uh, the World Series, he was signing baseballs for some fans, and he said the baseball was so slick, he could barely write on it with his Sharpie, and he compared it to like a Starbucks receipt, right? So if you go to Starbucks or, you know, if you're at like Applebee's and you're getting like a well-done steak and like $10 Long Island iced teas, 10 $1 Long Island iced teas, right? If you're there for like half-price apps, I'll eat like three things of mozzarella sticks, hashtag best life, hashtag live my best life, hashtag blessed. Hashtag never fool, stay hungry. Um, when you sign that receipt on the table, like the receipt is really slick and it's hard to sign your name on it for all the food you just ate, you fat butt. And right, you know how that is. It's hard to write on the receipt when it's on the table. And that's what Justin Verlander said about the baseballs. He said, hey man, like these baseballs are super slick. And I, could, I can't even write autographs on them. You know, something's up. And even there were... Man, you know, might have been, I don't know if it was the Dodgers pitching coach, but it was uh, one of the coach for those teams too, like during that series. We're like, listen, man, these balls are off, man. They're hard as hell. Like, I swear one of the managers in that 27 World Series was like, these balls are oddly hard. And like, I don't know what it's like. And they bounce like a freaking bouncy ball, okay? And during that series, right, guys that really threw a lot of like breaking pitches like sliders, like you, Darvish and Ken Giles, they just put up like touchdown ERA numbers the whole series, right? So it was affecting the way people are pitching. And it's sort of like Marcus Stroman mentioned it, I think in 2000, maybe in 2018, because he was getting constant blisters on his hand. And there's sort of been like a blister epidemic in, um, you know, Major League Baseball with pitchers. And a lot of pitchers believe that, yeah, the ball's different. And I know... I'll go into the research that I read in a second, but it, it has been proven that the seams are different. You know, the only statement that Rob Manfred has released, he'll um, he'll be pretty vague on the research that MLB does, and I don't believe the majority of that research is public, but he has acknowledged that the baseballs have less drag, so they'll fly further, right? And what that pretty much means is, let's say five years ago, if you hit a ball at 110 miles, an, or not 110, let's say five years ago you hit a ball 100 miles an hour, and then you hit a ball 100 miles an hour now, like it's going to go a lot further than it did then. Maybe like seven feet further or something like that, I think, were some of the numbers that I had read. So, you know, it's sort of like Rob Manfred's like, nah, man, the balls aren't different at all. But you can trace the home run search like a specific date. So what they always tell it to is right after the All-Star break in 2015 is sort of when like this juiced ball, everyone hitting home runs when it happened, right? So it wasn't like a gradual thing. It was all of a sudden. And what happens after the all-star break is that tends to be a time where teams will sort of like re-up their supply of baseballs, right? 
So it's sort of just like, you know, the teams are putting in the orders and they're getting fresh baseballs and they're these new baseballs, right? So one of the things I was sort of going to get into was, well, I guess I'll start with the part like, do home runs make the game boring? And I've, I've sort of talked about this in the past, you know, um, I'll just use this as a quick example, right? So like, so when runners are on base and there's a threat to steal a base, it's really exciting, right? Like channel, like 2004, Dave Roberts stealing a base to keep the Red Sox in the World Series, you know? It's that sort of, like small ball is super fun, right? The best analogy I can compare it to, okay, let's start here. A lot of people find baseball boring. Like your casual sports fan will always say something along the lines of, dude, I never watch baseball on TV because it's super lame. But I'll go to a game because it's fun. Well, hell yeah, going to a baseball game is fun. What other place can you just go and get freely drunk with your kids? Don't tell that to the kid that put their, uh, you know, child on a booster seat, man. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's that's sort of that jam, right? And sort of like my thinking with this is, you know, steals are down a lot. I love a stolen base, right? When the bases are packed, you know, when you got ducks on the pond, and there's a risk of like stealing third or stealing home. I love it, right? When Javi Baez or Bryce Harper a few weeks ago tried to steal home and he was out. And most guys that try to steal home, they're always out. But I love the fact that they tried, even when it's my team and it seems like a boneheaded move, right? If Javier Baez tries to steal home in like a tight game and he's out, I don't care that he's out. I just love the fact that he tried to do it because it's so damn exciting. Stolen bases are exciting, right? And so here's the thing, right? If you watch a baseball game and the final score of the baseball game is four to two, okay, that's a low scoring game, right? Both sides of the pitching staff did pretty damn good, okay? Four to two is a good game. So you might say, dude, that's a low scoring game. Like it was sort of a boring game because there were only a few home runs or whatever. And, you know, I wish the game was a high scoring game because a lot of high scoring games when it's close, like, those London series games where the Yankees were playing the Red Sox and the final scores were like 25 to 18. What a hell of a game, dude, because you just see offense galore, right? So what I always thought of is this. If you're watching an NFL game and, you know, let's say you get a total of seven points for your touchdown and your extra point, that four to two game would be 28 to 14, right? 28 points is a lot of points to score in a game, right? That's a pretty damn good game to watch. So, in, like, if you watch basketball, there's scoring going on all the time, and it's an up-and-down-the-court type of thing, so it's pretty exciting. And with football, football's even more exciting than basketball, I believe, but there's less scores in those sports. And the reason why I think football is so successful right now is because even though you might not get a lot of touchdowns in a game, there is always the chance for something to happen like on every single play and there's always action on every single game where if you sort of you're watching a baseball game it's a lot of just standing at these days it's a lot of standing around and waiting for a home run but previously you know before we got to this home run time you know you had a lot of singles way more singles were hit back in the day than they are now and even more triples and more doubles were hit than they are now so and more bunts as well so what this home run league has given us is a lower number of steals, triples, doubles, singles, and bunts, right? And what I equate those like the single and the bunt and the stolen base to is like first and 10, second and seven, third and five, right? 
because even though like when those plays happen, they're not scores, there's action to try to get the score, okay? And right now, Major League Baseball, that action that used to happen to get to the score in the form of a sacrifice bunt, you know, I think situational hitting still does happen, but, you know, when you talk about the sacrifice bunt, the stolen base, and sort of things like that, those little things aren't happening anymore, so we don't have things that are mounting up to the score. It's sort of this all-or-nothing league, this Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last type of thing. And a lot of hitters are going for the fences to combat the shift. And, you know, I'm one of the guys that I'm I'm fully for banning the shift. If I put that on Twitter, I'll get roasted all to hell. But I, I gathered that opinion to outlaw the shift from a lot of good hitters like Matt Carpenter and Daniel Murphy and really any hitter who's not like Tony Gwynn, right, will um, we'll tell you that, you know, it's just not that easy to hit the ball in the opposite direction. Oh, crap. Because hitters are just, you know, more more powerful than ever now with the way they throw. So to ask a hitter to just take like a 100 mile per hour Jordan Hicks fastball and go the other way with it is sort of just like the equivalent of telling like a drunk dude who's got 10 Bud Light limes in him at the pool to say, hey, put those army floaties on your feet and try to walk on water, right? It's not that easy. It's not going to happen, Hoss. You just can't do it. And the shift, you know, sort of gets into that home run or nothing mentality. And one of the things that I sort of find is BS was Rob Manfred was saying that, listen, I work for the owners and trust me, the owners don't want more home runs than not. But I'm pretty sure for a fact, if you outlawed the shift, you 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 might see more situational hitting. I don't know it for a fact, but a person couldn't tell me that I'm wrong for a fact. Because guys like Joey Gallo, their only way to beat the shift, but it's to hit the ball to Mars, right? And, you know, they're going to do it. So for, for those sort of reasons, because all those little plays are gone, I could totally make the case that the home run is making the game boring, no doubt about it. But also one of the last things I'll sort of close on this topic is when it comes to pace of play in Major League Baseball, I've never, I've never had a problem with the length of a baseball game, I feel like any sporting event that runs two hours, two and a half hours, three hours, that's filled with a lot of action, like I'm totally on board with, right? You know, you sort of can't tell me that a three-hour baseball game lasts too long when, you know, people will park themselves in front of the Red Zone channel from noon to 7 p.m. and just watch football all damn day, you know? All of America on Sunday will straight up watch football from, you know, central time, what, 12, 12.05 when games kick off all the way to when Sunday night football ends at 10.30, right? So that's a good 10 and a half hours of football that people love to watch. And then we'll do it again for another three hours on Monday night football. And then we'll do it later on on Thursday night football, right? And it's sort of that way with baseball too. I'll park my fanny in the seat with, you know, a full bag of um, the organic Cheetos because I like to eat healthy and watch my waistline jerk. And I'll, I'll watch baseball all day, man. You know, like that that's cool with me. And I think where Rob Manfred sort of has this wrong is he, he says he, he wants to shorten a baseball game because that's what he feels he needs to do. But the truth be told, there's just not as much action in the game. You know, because one of the things that breaks my heart more than anything is that there is no incentive to steal a base. The number 
I know like there's not one change in Major League Baseball that would fix whatever you feel is broken, but I would love somehow for Major League Baseball to create more incentive to steal bases because like singles are down and doubles are down or triples are down or whatever. And I would love to like for something to be adjusted where guys were like empowered to steal more bases, especially stealing home. I feel like in baseball, stealing home is like the successful Hail Mary, right? Like you see Aaron Rodgers, who's my least favorite athlete in the world, throw a bomb from his own 20-yard line and score a touchdown. It's one of the greatest things in sports. And that's what stealing home is like as well. It's like when Steph Curry hits a half-court shot before halftime kicks around. Like those things are great to watch. But like the data sets, like there's just no incentive to do it because it's too risky. And I don't know like what would have to be adjusted. Like I wouldn't be opposed to, for example, like let's say Billy Hamilton. Let's say Whit Merrifield's on first base, right? He steals a lot of bases and he's pretty good. I would love if, so if there's a guy on first base, I would love for there to rule to say that a pitcher can only try to pick off the guy at first base twice. Right. And then after that, he just can't do it anymore. I would love for that to be the case because I feel like that would, and that's just like a loose thought of mine. So if you're a baseball purist at home and you're just cussing up a storm, bro, listen, like these are just ideas. And I'm saying you could work with them. These aren't like hard, fast rules that I want to be in place, but whatever you had to do to create this incentive. And yeah, if you had that, then you would probably, if you created where there was some sort of rule around pickoffs and made it harder for a runner to get picked off, they could take a little bit more of a lead and then you could see more stolen bases, which I would love. So, you know, for example, your guy gets a single and he's the eight hitter, okay? And your number one hitter happens to be like Kyle Schwarber or Matt Carpenter or like Jock Peterson, right? So you you would love to see those guys come up to the plate with a runner on base. But when your eight hitter in the National League gets a single, usually the pitcher's up after that, right? So he's going to try to put down a bunt. He's going to screw it up. And, you know, or he's going to ground into a double play once he ruins, you know, and gets it two strikes because your pitcher can't bump for crap. And then you get a double play. And then now your number one hitter is up with two outs and nobody's on base, right? But if your number eight hitter got a hit, and he could, there was like more incentive, more ability to steal second. All of a sudden, you could get him on second with the the pitcher up to bat, right? And that sort of creates more strategy and more incentive because instead of the pitcher trying to lay down like a crappy bunt, which I don't know, even if, I, I don't really care if you incentivize more bunts, but I would love to see you incentivize more stolen bases. I say that because bunts are down, right? Um but that would actually introduce, you know, a lot more, a different type of strategy into the game where it's like, dude, I want my eight hitter to be pretty fast because if he gets on base, I'm going to want him to steal because my pitcher's up and I don't want my pitcher to ground and do a double play, right? And that's some good technique. And then now a lot of times once that lineup resets, right, and your number one hitter's up to bat, there's a runner in scoring position at that point. So at, you know, at that rate, there's, there's more incentive to hit singles because, you can steal bases more. So if we can't really fix the ball or whatever it is, I feel like if you could incentivize the stolen base or make that more possible, then there would be more use in a single because guys would steal more bases, which I would like. All right, so here's what we're going to get into now, right? So Rob Manfred 
So big news from the All-Star Weekend was sort of Justin Verlander saying the balls, uh, he used the cuss word. He dropped an F-bomb to get his point across. Sometimes you have to do those sort of things, right? The only F-word I use in my life with any sort of aggressiveness is food. (laughs) You know, I'm like, yo, give me some food. Like, yo, can I get some food over here? Like, that's how I use the F-word. The F-word in my life is food, man. Or Frank's as well. You know, like if we're talking hot dogs. Um, there's also fajitas. Fajitas is a great F word. Um, fragile, if you love a Christmas story. Frittata, French toast, um, Frank's Red Hot. What are some other good words to start? I don't know where I'm going with this, man. Um, I like to have fun. Um, that's about all I think the good um, F words I have. French fries, especially from McDonald's, they're delicious too. I love all of those F words, man. Um, but Justin Verlander, he went F dash 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 and was like, these baseballs are an effing joke. It's ridiculous, right? Rob Manfred, he responds to that and he's like, we've never, we MLB owns Rawlings. Okay, so that's the first thing you need to know. And Rob Manfred is basically like, dude, we did not give any direction to Rawlings to change the baseballs. They are not different. They are not harder. The only thing we've ever found is they're a little more aerodynamic. They fly through the air a little bit faster. That's what Rob Manfred said. Rob Manfred said there's no scientific evidence that these balls have been changed, okay? That's what Robbie said, right? So I did some research on it, man, and MLB might not have the um the scientific studies you know they might not perform them mlb probably doesn't want to perform them because the truth be told i do believe someone put in an order to change the baseballs it was probably rob manfred and now he sort of got himself in a shit storm of bro i messed up because like i just wanted you to change it a little bit and now these uh baseballs are flying out of the park you know what i mean it's um it, it, it's it's not good, you know what I mean? He just bit off a little more than he can chew, you know what I mean? It's like the difference between, you know, stealing a Snickers bar from, like, the local um, convenience store and robbing a bank, right? Like, we, we've really messed up now, man. We're going to jail. So he, I, I found some stuff. Um, so pretty much what I found is I found a few different articles on 538 and The Ringer where – Studies were performed by scientists, right? So, for example, some guys from some scientists. Okay, so I don't have these names like 100% clear, but at least probably for like respect purposes. 538.com, right? Some guys named Rob Arthur and Tim Dix, they talked to some guys to x-ray some baseballs. So they took some baseballs to Kent State in the University of Southern California, and they put some baseballs in some CT scanners and (laughs) x-rayed some baseballs, bro. Healthcare in this world is so bonkers. For me to get a CT scan, it's like $35,000 probably to get a CT scan with insurance. And these guys, I don't know what kind of hookup you have to have to just be like, yo, bro, like I know it's $30,000, but could you CT scan a few baseballs for me? Like, that is legit, dude. But they did it, man, because they didn't want to cut the balls open, but they wanted to figure out exactly what was different about these, man. So at USC, the Keck School of Medicine, they used a um, a CT scan to look inside the baseballs. The same thing 
that looks inside a human head or body. You know what I mean? And this is what's up, right? So in sort of some of the, I have some of like the stuff that mattered to me that showed some differences, right? So the x-rays did show a difference in the density of the core. So the new balls are less dense and also the chemical composition of the core is different. So these new baseballs, they are, they're, more porous with a less dense layer of rubber in the center core. The ringer found out that these balls actually bounce more. And the fact that they bounce more adds 0.6 miles per hour and three feet of travel to the baseball. And since the balls are less dense, I believe that makes them lighter. And then that means that that they'll bounce more. Also, 538 found that the ball did have less resistance, which those on another five feet of it. Um, also, that the ball had a decreased gram, or excuse me, that the ball had decreased drag, and the the it also found the CT scan also found that half a gram of weight was added to the core, which added another six inches of flight. So it seems like what sort of happened with what they're finding through these X-rays is. You know, the core is less dense. It'll bounce more, which adds three feet and half a mile an hour to it. And then you get an extra five feet of distance for the seams being lower, which is what we saw, which is sort of probably what happened in the 2017 World Series where guys like Ken Giles and Hugh Darvish were pitching like crap because, you know, I guess they want to throw a lot of sliders and the seams are different, so they sort of can't grip the ball and they're not getting the spin on it that they want. And then because the actual core is half a gram heavier, that throws on another six inches of flight, right? So it's sort of like just this domino effect of just a little bit of stuff here. And what, you know, through these x-rays, what they found is overall that the new baseballs are lighter. It's a more compact baseball with tighter seams and more bounce. So I'll say it again through the x-rays at USC. And I also think they looked at them at Kent State University. That It has scientifically... Now, these aren't like cancer AIDS tests, right? So I don't know like if these are the greatest in the world, but I do know that really smart people have at USC, right? I don't know if this is like, I don't know anything about studies, right? If this is like some sort of double blind placebo type stuff, like I don't know because I know a lot of these baseballs are sort of all, all the baseballs they tested were verified via Major League Baseball. So when you order like baseballs that have been played in the Major Leagues, they authenticate them, right? All these balls have been found to be authenticated based on dates prior to the 2015 All-Star break and after, okay? Um, and what these x-rays found with really smart people at the University of Southern California is that the newer baseballs, no matter what Rob Manfred says, the newer baseballs are lighter, they're more compact, they have tighter lower seams and more bounce. And what this could mean is these balls fly about 8.6 feet farther than what the pre-All-Star Breaks home run did. And that could account for the home run spike we saw between 2014 and 2017, which was 46%. And then another thing I found interesting, so the NCAA, they changed their baseballs back in 2015. In 2015, the NCAA began using a flatter seam baseball, okay? And all of these numbers were published. They were honest about it. They were just like, we're going to change the baseball. I don't know why they changed the baseball, but I know it happened. 
and I know there's accurate data on how it happened, right? So when the NCAA um, had a flatter seam baseball that they introduced in 2015, the home run rate rose by 44% compared to 2014, the year before, which is about the same increase that we've seen in Major League Baseball from 2014 to 2017. So we do have sort of a point of reference to work where a planned change to the baseball happened and the data was recorded based on the seams alone, okay? And what we're working with it in Major League Baseball is a core that's less dense, a little bit heavier, but overall the ball's lighter. And then in some cases it's slicker, which could affect the way people pitch. I don't really know, but there, there are so many other changes to the Major League Baseball other than the seams, you know, so you have all these things adding up about it, bouncing more, tighter seams, lower seams, a compact baseball that's lighter, correct? Um, also, let's get into... Okay, the ringer.com. So this article was written by Ben Lindbergh in 2017, right? So in at Washington State University, they also looked at some baseballs. And what Washington State looked at was they looked at circumference of the baseball weight, the height of the seams, and the hardness, okay? And this study revealed significant differences in balls used after 2014 after the 2015 All-Star break versus before the 2015 All-Star break. So remember that 2015 date, okay? So the 2015 All-Star break is the spike in home runs, and it's where it's where people that research it, like scientists, are finding that the balls changed and the home run rate greatly increased, right? So again, when Washington State looked at the baseballs and looked at circumference, weight, height of seams, and hardness of baseballs, the Washington State University study found a significant difference in the balls before the 2015 All-Star break and after. They found that the newer balls are harder, have lower circumference, and lower seam height. So now we've got two different studies, one at Washington State and one at USC slash Kent State that are all finding sort of the same thing, the exact same thing with the balls, that the seam height's different, you've got a lower circumference, and the balls are harder and they're bouncier. The numbers at Washington State found that the ball would travel somewhere around 7.1 feet further at the same exit velocity, where the USC Kent State study was like eight something, right? Um, and here's an interesting thing they said, and I don't, I'm not sure if I understand it because I haven't had a math class in like 10 years because I work in marketing, but Michael Lichtman, he was a guy that sort of, um, he was in these studies and in the article for the ringer that I'm referencing, he had sort of like helped us unpack a lot of this, right? And Lickman calculates that the, the hardness of the ball. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Hold on. I Hold on. I have to look up an acronym. Sorry. In this article, so Michael Lickman, the scientist, he uses a, um, a three-letter acronym called CORE, C-O-R which stands for coefficient of restitution, which is basically the bounciness of the ball, how bouncy the ball is, right? So what Michael Lichtman said after this Washington State study was he calculated that the bounciness of the ball falls 2.6 standard deviations from the mean. Okay, so standard deviations, right? That, that, that Standard deviations from the mean, how much it deviates from the mean. So apparently this change in the bounciness was so far from a previous average. He said that it was so far 
the 2.6 standard deviations from the mean means that it's extremely unlikely that this change happened by chance. This change, he said this change, there's no way it could have happened by chance because it's so far from the norm. These are real life scientists. So Rob Manfred will say that um, there's no scientific evidence. There's just none that Major League Baseball's commissioned, right? There are numbers out here. And there are a few other interesting things that I found as well. Um, so in the year 2000, there was an earlier baseball testing report by the Baseball Research Center, and they publicly released some information, right? And what they said is that two baseballs could meet the MLB specifications for construction, but one ball could theoretically be hit 49.1 feet further. And I mentioned that is because Rob Manfred will talk a lot, a lot about, he'll say, listen, these baseballs, no matter what you want to say about them, this is sort of his go-to when people like Major League Baseball change the baseballs. Rob Manfred will always be like, no, 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 no. We, trust us. We test these baseballs, and they fall within our guidelines of construction, okay? They fall within our guidelines. That's what Rob Manfred says. But it turns out Major League Baseball's guidelines are so wide for building a baseball that you could build two baseballs in the in that guide and one could fly nearly 50 feet further than the other one when it's hit at the exact same exit velocity and the exact same launch angle right and here's the last thing i'll say about this because i really want to talk about because it was always confusing to me when rob manfred talks about the league specifications the range of of uh, measurements that a baseball can be built in right to be accept to be an acceptable standard because in my head, I was always like, well, what the hell is the acceptable standard? I have no idea, dude. Um, now, there was another scientist that had mentioned that an increase in the bounciness of, Z of 0 0.012. So remember that number, 0 0.012 increase in core, which is the coefficient of restitution or bounciness, basically. So we're going to call core bounciness. A difference of 0 0.012 is large enough where it could completely account for the 2015 to 2016 home run revival. So that post all-star break in 2015 through 2016, that ginormous increase of home runs could be totally due to this coefficient of restitution, the bounciness of the ball. Okay. But major league baseball's allowable bounciness range, right? Goes from 0.514 to 0.578. That is like a 0.60, hold on, 78 minus 14, 78, 68, 64, 0.064. Okay, so Major League Baseball's range of allowable bounciness is 0.064. But a change of 0.012 could increase home runs by like 44%. Okay, so like what we know is like what Rob Manfred is saying is correct. Major League Baseball doesn't have any scientific evidence, right? You do your own studies. You can just say whatever you want, dude. Um, and when Rob Manfred says that the baseball, or the baseballs are still being built within MLB standards, like that's not a lie either. But the standards are just really wide, and could cause a difference in the home runs. So I would imagine what's going to happen at some point is it's sort of like comparable to the steroid era, where in the sense of like someone's lying. And, like, we think we've kind of caught him, but it's going to take a little while. And I would imagine, like, five or ten years from now, 
we're going to know the truth and someone's just going to have to admit to it and say that the balls were changed, right? And, you know, I, I mean, that's that's probably what's going to happen because I don't think this is a secret that's going to last forever because the facts are so obvious. And that if independent testers start to come in, the more people that test this and the facts that come out, Rob Manfred's not going to be able to go anywhere about it. So, yeah, probably five years from now, it's going to be like, we knew it all along and the truth will come out because at some point, Rob Manfred's going to have to admit to it. And I don't know. I mean, generally when any sort of change is proposed in Major League Baseball, people generally get pissed off about it. And I think the reason why is because Rob Manfred, or any change he makes is all about increasing pace of play. But like I said earlier in this episode, I, I don't know that any... One really has a problem. Oh, excuse me. Hold on. Let me rewind that. Pace of play, meaning that baseball games lasting longer than three hours are bad. But if every baseball game was over two and a half hours, that would be really good. But any hardcore sports fan knows that that's not true because a really good action-packed game, but I hope it goes on for five hours. Like, let's send this thing to extras, dude. I want I, I want it to never end, right? The only game I ever wanted to end was game seven of the World Series where the Cubs won because I was like, the longer this game gets played, they're going to screw it up because I know Cubs baseball, right? Like, the curse is real, dude. And that's how I felt about that. But otherwise, like, we love action-packed sporting events. And everyone will gladly park their butts in front of the TV and watch sports for seven, eight hours all damn day, right? So we know that a game lasting longer than three hours is totally fine if you give us something good to watch. But Rob Manfred doesn't seem to agree with that. So these changes, any change Rob Manfred proposes, any you can go on Twitter and like 99% of people are really mad about it and they say that Rob Manfred doesn't know what he's doing because all of his changes are to make the game go by faster and every baseball fan just wants to go up to Rob Manfred and just shake him dude and be like what are you doing like you're wrong like we don't need to go faster we need more action right and I think part of the reason why a lot of fans are so mad and like Justin Verlander as well right so players and fans I think what a lot of the reason why everybody is so mad is because like we being lied to, right? So this change happened and it wasn't announced. It was done in secret. And, you know, when those sort of things happen, you're going to naturally be angry about it because it was done in secret. You know, like your game betrayed you. Like you're lying to me right now. And I don't like that. But like any other change that's happened in Major League Baseball, if you announce the change, people will be mad for like three months and then they'll get over it just fine, right? But when you lie about it, we're going to be mad about it forever. But one of the other things that hurts about this is if if this change was announced or wasn't announced, it's a boneheaded move because I imagine, you know, so, here's the thing, man. If you, I'm 35 right now. So I would say if you ask anybody between the ages of like 35 and 50, what the funnest baseball season is that they've ever watched. They'll all tell you the 1998 Major League Baseball season because it was a season with the home run race. So one of the things I asked myself was, well, why would Rob Manfred want this? Why would he want more home runs to be hit in baseball? And I think that he, you, you look at it and say, well, some of the greatest seasons we've ever had, there have been home run races. So why don't we 
make more home runs, right? That seems like the logical thing to do. So I do believe part of the reason why this was done in secret was to, one, keep baseball from talking more about the steroid era. You know, the whole thing was completely mishandled. The guy that let it happen, Bud Selig, he's in the Hall of Fame right now, but a lot of the guys that played in that era aren't, you know, and it was sort of like steroids were an accepted practice in Major League Baseball, you know? The guys doing the steroids, I don't, you know, like, I don't classify as cheaters, you know? I don't think Barry Bonds was a cheater or Mark McGuire was the cheater or Sammy Sosa was a cheater, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, like, I don't think any of these guys are cheaters because they sure as hell didn't cheat their own era, you know, if you want to have a conversation about Barry Bonds cheating Hank Aaron out of his home run record, okay, we can have that conversation. But in their own eras, right, these guys weren't cheaters. But number one, the greatest era in baseball in the last however many years was in 1998 with the big home run chase. So Rob Manfred is probably like, well, let's do this in secret because I don't want to come right out and say that the steroid era was a really good time for baseball because fans filled baseball parks. You don't want to say that, right? Steroids, the steroid era, that's like Major League Baseball's like deep, dark secret, right, that everyone sort of knows about now. But the last thing Major League Baseball could ever acknowledge is, listen, the steroid era was one of the greatest times for Major League Baseball profit. Fans loved the game, and people turned out, and attendance was high. Okay, attendance now is down for like the fourth year straight in major league ballparks. So they sure as hell can't come out and say that, right? Um, so that's probably part of the reason why the baseballs would want to be changed. But we will want to keep it a secret, right? Let's have a home run. Let's create 1998 again, right? But also like a second thing I was thinking about is I'm pretty sure that the home run records right now, both belong, the top home run records both belong to Barry Bonds. 762 home runs and 73 in a season. And those aren't numbers that are celebrated by a lot of people. Part of the reason is because Barry Bonds is such a jerk. Okay, he is huge dickhead. And second of all, again, it goes back to the steroid era. We can't really glorify this era. So our guy that's the home run king in all of baseball is no longer hammering Hank Aaron. And it, it's not Babe Ruth because it's Barry Bonds now. You know what I mean? Like, we can't celebrate these guys anymore. Alex Rodriguez, 696 home runs. He used steroids. Mark McGuire, like 550. He used steroids, right? We've got Griffey Jr., but, you know, he petered out and only hit 630, right? So he's not our guy. You know what I mean? Barry Bonds is that guy. So part of the reason to, I believe, possibly to increase home runs and keep it a secret is to overthrow... The steroid era, you've got to overthrow Barry Bonds' 762 and 73 home runs. You've got to overthrow McGuire's 70 and Sosa's 66. And that Sammy Sosa hit 60 home runs in like three straight seasons or three out of four. Like we need to override that stuff because baseball so much lived off of its legends in the 90s, okay? So if I remember watching SportsCenter every summer... And every summer, part of what would get, actually a huge part of what would get you so involved in the season and so wrapped up in the action and the possibilities of another season was the the chance that 
the home run record could fall, that someone could beat Roger Maris' 61, or that someone could bat 400. So every year, there was that anticipation going into a Major League Baseball season that these hallowed numbers would be passed, right? We don't have that anymore. There is no anticipation of hallowed numbers being passed. Barry Bonds' yearly home run record, that number will never, ever be broken. Barry Bonds' all-time home run record, not likely to ever be broken. But maybe we could do something about that, and maybe we could do something about it sooner than later. Hence, home runs that fly out of the ballpark further. If we, we, the king of our sport, Barry Bonds, took the best steroids ever, and he was a jerk. Let's overthrow him. And to do that, well, we could make the baseballs go out of the park more often. We could create a home run chase, and we might have our hollow numbers back. Because if in 1998 baseball was saved by approaching a home run record, could you imagine if six feet, 195 pound Christian Yelich was challenging Barry Bonds' all time home run record? That would be huge. That would save baseball again because it worked once before, right? So let's overthrow these steroid guys and do it, right? Because we messed up and now we have to fix it because we allowed steroids to happen in the game. And I think that's part of the reason why the balls. There would be motivation to change the baseballs, but we would want to keep it a secret because really Major League Baseball doesn't respect Barry Bonds and what he did, right? But you can't, you know, not respect Barry Bonds for what he did because that league he played in, that era he played in, was created and condoned and accepted by Major League Baseball. So you want to allow it and create this league where everyone does it but then 10 years later, you want to be like, nah, man, like we don't want that anymore. But instead of taking a plan of ownership about it, we just got to sort of like do some of this stuff in secret to make it right. Well, I think one of baseball's major plays would be to address the steroid era more, get these guys into the Hall of Fame, accept the era for what it was and move on for it. And... You know, that, that sort of thing just doesn't happen. You know, Sammy Sosa can't get into Wrigley Field because he won't admit to taking steroids. You know, we have is the steroid test that Sammy Sosa failed. He came up on a list, right? And it was that list that like USA Today got that was leaked from the government. Because what it was is like it was unofficial testing that Major League Baseball performed before they actually enacted it through the Players Association Union and all that sort of thing, right? They just want to, like, get some rough numbers. So they did sort of, like, these non-strict tests to sort of just, like, test the waters out there, right? And Sammy Sosa's name came up on that list, right? So did David Ortiz's name. So did, you know, those are the only two guys I'll name because the other names I have in my head, I'm not 100% sure they are on there, but I believe they were. But the same steroid test that Sammy Sosa failed it's the same one that David Ortiz failed. That's so weird to me, man. But Sammy Sosa can't even get in the ballpark because he won't admit to taking steroids. I, I wouldn't bet my life. I wouldn't bet my child's life that Sammy Sosa took steroids because nobody's 100% sure of it. But I think that is sort of a reflection on how a lot of higher-ups in Major League Baseball look at the steroid era, and I believe they look at it and they're ashamed, and they don't want to ignore it. I mean, they want to ignore it and just sort of pretend it didn't happen. And that's where we're at right now with that. But, you know, those are sort of some of my thoughts on 
at least a couple thoughts on, you know, what would be the motivation to change the ball and what would be motivation to keep it a secret. Um, We'll continue. I'll continue on this on the next episode I record because I think there's a lot to be said on it. But otherwise, we're at minute 55, so I won't take up any more of your time because this is a long podcast. But thanks for listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. I appreciate the time you took to listen. And, you know, hopefully we'll build on this in the next few episodes or whatever. But thanks for listening. Thanks for to everybody who shares this stuff on social media. I say this every episode, man, but I really mean it. You know, every every time I sit down to record, um, my heart rate speeds up. I can't catch my breath. And my mouth gets, like, really dry because I'm excessively nervous to record every time. And I'm just completely, I'm so happy for you know, that somebody, that anybody listens to this podcast. So I I always feel the need to say thanks after I record because I truly mean it, man, because I'm just so thankful for it. And, you know, it's just such a nerve wracking thing to do. So when somebody listens to it and gives me a thumbs up or whatever, like I enjoy it, um, it, I mean, it just makes me feel good because I like to talk baseball as well. So, but hopefully we'll have some guests on in the next couple of weeks. But until then, thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time. All right, have a good night.